Paradise Lost by John Milton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Book Four: The Argument. Satan, now in prospect of Eden, and nigh the place where he must now attempt the bold enterprise which he undertook alone against God and man, falls into many doubts with himself, and many passions, fear, envy, and despair. But at length confirms himself in evil, journeys on to paradise whose outward prospect and situation is described, overleaps the bounds, sits in the shape of a cormorant on the tree of life, as highest in the garden, to look about him. The garden described, Satan's first sight of Adam and Eve, his wonder at their excellent form and happy state, but with resolution to work their fall, overhears the discourse, thence gathers that the tree of knowledge was forbidden them to eat of under penalty of death, and thereon intends to found his temptation, by seducing them to transgress, then leaves them a while to know further of their state by some other means. Meanwhile, Uriel, descending on a sunbeam, warns Gabriel, who had in charge the gate of paradise, that some evil spirit had escaped the deep, and passed at noon by his sphere in the shape of a good angel down to paradise, discovered after by his furious gestures in the mount. Gabriel promises to find him out ere morning. Night coming on, Adam and Eve discourse of going to their rest, their bower described, their evening worship. Gabriel, drawing forth his bands of night watch to walk the round of paradise, appoints two strong angels to Adam's bower, lest the evil spirit should be there doing some harm to Adam or Eve sleeping. There they find him at the ear of Eve, tempting her in a dream and bring him, though unwilling, to Gabriel, by whom questioned he scornfully answers, prepares resistance, but, hindered by a sign from heaven, flies out of paradise. Oh, for that warning voice which he who saw the apocalypse heard cry in heaven aloud! Then, when the dragon, put to second rout, came furious down to be revenged on men, woe to the inhabitants on earth, that now, while time was, our first parents had been warned the coming of their secret foe, and scaped, haply so scaped his mortal snare. For now Satan, now first inflamed with rage, came down, the tempter and accuser of mankind, to wreck on innocent frail man his loss of that first battle and his flight to hell. Yet not rejoicing in his speed, though bold, far off and fearless, nor with cause to boast begins his dire attempt, which neither birth now rolling boils in his tumultuous breast, and like a devilish engine back recoils upon himself. Horror and doubt distract his troubled thoughts, and from the bottom stir the hell within him. For within him hell he brings, and round about him, nor from hell one step no more than from himself can fly by change of place, now conscience wakes despair that slumbered, wakes the bitter memory of what he was, what is, and what must be worse. Of worse deeds, worse sufferings must ensue. Sometimes towards Eden, which now in his view lay pleasant, his grieved look he fixes sad. Sometimes toward heaven and the full blazing sun, which now sat high in his meridian tower. Then, much revolving, 
thus in sighs began. O oh, thou that with surpassing glory crowned Look'st from thy sole dominion like the god of this new world, At whose sight all the stars hide their diminished heads, To thee I call, but with no friendly voice, And add thy name, O oh sun, to tell thee how I hate thy beams that bring to my remembrance from what state I fell, how glorious once above thy sphere, till pride and worse ambition threw me down, warring in heaven against heaven's matchless king. Ah, wherefore, he deserved no such return from me, whom he created what I was in that bright eminence, and with his good upbraided none. Nor was his service hard. What could be less than to afford him praise, the easiest recompense, and pay him thanks, how due? Yet all his good proved ill in me, and wrought but malice. Lifted up so high, I stained subjection, and thought one step higher would set me highest, and in a moment quit the debt immense of endless gratitude, so burthensome, still paying, still to owe. Forgetful what from him I still received, and understood not that a grateful mind by owing owes not, but still pays, at once indebted and discharged. What burden, then? Oh, had his powerful destiny ordained me some inferior angel, I had stood then happy. No unbounded hope had raised ambition. Yet why not? Some other power as great might have aspired, and me, though mean, drawn to his part. But other powers as great fell not, but stand unshaken, from within or from without to all temptations armed. Hadst thou the same free will and power to stand? Thou hadst. Whom hast thou then, or what to accuse, But heaven's free love, dealt equally to all? Be then his love accursed, Since love or hate, to me alike, It deals eternal woe. Nay, cursed be thou, Since against his Thy will chose freely what it now so justly rues. Me miserable, which way shall I fly infinite wrath and infinite despair? Which way I fly is hell. Myself am hell, and in the lowest deep, a lower deep still threatening to devour me opens wide, to which the hell I suffer seems a heaven. Oh, then at last relent. Is there no place left for repentance? None for pardon left? None left but by submission. And that word disdain forbids me, and my dread of shame among the spirits beneath whom I seduced with other promises and other vaunts than to submit, boasting I could subdue the omnipotent. I me, they little know how dearly I abide that boast so vain, and under what torments inwardly I groan, 
while they adore me on the throne of hell, with diadem and scepter high advanced, the lower still I fall, only supreme in misery. Such joy ambition finds. But say I could repent, and could obtain by act of grace my former state. How soon would height recall high thoughts, how soon unsay what feigned submission swore. Ease would recant vows made in pain as violent and void. For never can true reconcilement grow where wounds of deadly hate have pierced so deep, which would but lead me to a worse relapse and heavier fall. So should I purchase, dear, short intermission bought with double smart. This knows my punisher, therefore as far from granting he as I from begging peace. All hope excluded thus. Behold, instead of us, outcast, exiled, his new delight, mankind created, and for him this world. So farewell, hope, and with hope farewell, fear. Farewell, remorse, all good to me is lost. Evil, be thou my good. By thee, at least, divided empire with heaven's king, I hold by thee, and more than half, perhaps, will reign, as man ere long and this new world shall know. Thus while he spake, each passion dimmed his face, thrice changed with pale, ire, envy, and despair, which marred his borrowed visage and betrayed him counterfeit if any eye beheld, for heavenly minds from such distempers foul are ever clear. Whereof he soon aware each perturbation smoothed with outward calm, artificer of fraud, and was the first that practised falsehood under saintly show, deep malice to conceal, couched with revenge. Yet not enough had practised to deceive Uriel once warned, whose eye pursued him down the way he went, and on the Syrian mount saw him disfigured, more than could befall spirit of happy sort. His gestures fierce, he marked, and mad demeanour, then alone, as he supposed, all unobserved, unseen. So on he fares, and to the border comes of Eden, where delicious paradise now nearer crowns with her enclosure green as with a rural mound the champagne head of a steep wilderness whose hairy sides with thicket overgrown grotesque and wild access denied and overhead upgrew insuperable height of loftiest shade cedar and pine and fir and branching palm a sylvan scene and as the ranks ascend, shade above shade, a woody theatre of stateliest view. Yet higher than the tops the verdurous wall of paradise upsprung, which to our general sire gave prospect large into his nether empire, neighbouring round. And higher than that wall a circling row of goodliest trees, loaden with fairest fruit, blossoms and fruits at once of golden hue appeared with gay enamelled colours mixed, 
on which the sun more glad impressed his beams than in fair evening cloud or humid bow when god hath showered the earth so lovely seemed that landscape and a pure now purer air meets his approach and to the heart inspires vernal delight and joy able to drive all sadness but despair now gentle gales fanning their odoriferous wings dispense native perfumes and whisper whence they stole those balmy spoils as when to them who sail beyond the cape of hope and now are past mozambique off at sea northeast winds blow sabean odours from the spicy shore of araby the blest with such delay well pleased they slack their course and many a league cheered with the grateful smell old ocean smiles so entertained those odorous sweets the fiend who came their bane though with them better pleased than asmodeus with the fishy fume that drove him though enamoured from the spouse of tobit's son and with a vengeance sent from media post to egypt there fast bound now to the scent of that steep savage hill satan had journeyed on pensive and slow but further way found none so thick entwined as one continued break the undergrowth of shrubs and tangling bushes had perplexed all path of man or beast that passed that way one gate there only was and that looked east on the other side which when archfelon saw due entrance he disdained and in contempt at one slight bound high overleaped all bound of hill or highest wall and sheer within lights on his feet as when a prowling wolf whom hunger drives to seek new haunt for prey watching where shepherds pen the flocks at eve in hurdled coats amid the field secure leaps o'er the fence with ease into the fold or as a thief bent to unhoard the cash of some rich burgher whose substantial doors cross-barred and bolted fast fear no assault in at the window climbs or o'er the tiles so clomb this first grand thief into god's fold so since into his church lewd hirelings climb thence up he flew and on the tree of life the middle tree and highest there that grew sat like a cormorant yet not true life thereby regained but sat devising death to them who lived nor on the virtue thought of that life-giving plant but only used for prospect what well used had been the pledge of immortality so little knows any but god alone to value right the good before him but perverts best things to worst abuse or to their meanest use beneath him with new wonder now he views to all delight of human sense exposed in narrow room nature's whole wealth yea more a heaven on earth for blissful paradise of god the garden was by him in the east of eden planted eden stretched her line from oran eastward to the royal towers of great seleucia built by grecian kings or where the sons of eden long before dwelt in telassar in this pleasant soil his far more pleasant garden god ordained out of the fertile ground he caused to grow all trees of noblest kind for sight smell taste and all amid them 
stood the tree of life, high eminent, blooming ambrosial fruit of vegetable gold. And next to life, our death, the tree of knowledge, grew fast by. Knowledge of good, bought dear by knowing ill. Southward through Eden went a river, large, nor changed his course, but through the shaggy hill passed underneath, engulfed. For God had thrown that mountain as his garden mould, high raised upon the rapid current, which, through veins of porous earth, with kindly thirst updrawn, rose a fresh fountain, and with many a rill watered the garden. Thence united fell down the steep glade, and met the nether flood, which from his darksome passage now appears, and, now divided into four main streams, runs diverse, wandering many a famous realm and country, whereof here needs no account, but rather to tell how, if art could tell, how from that sapphire font the crisped brooks, rolling on orient pearl and sands of gold, with mazy error under pendant shades, ran nectar, visiting each plant, and fed flowers worthy of paradise, which not nice art in beds and curious knots, but nature, boon, poured forth profuse on hill and dale and plain, both where the morning sun first warmly smote the open field, and where the unpierced shade embrowned the noontide bowers. Thus was this place a happy rural seat of various view, groves whose rich trees wept odorous gums and balm, others whose fruit, burnished with golden rind, hung amiable. Hesperian fables true, if true here only, and of delicious taste. Betwixt them lawns or level downs, and flocks grazing the tender herb were interposed, or palmy hillock, or the flowery lap of some irriguous valley spread her store, flowers of all hue, and without thorn the rose. Another side, umbrageous grots, and caves of cool recess, o'er which the mantling vine lays forth her purple grape, and gently creeps luxuriant. Meanwhile, murmuring waters fall down the slope hills dispersed, or in a lake, that to the fringed bank with myrtle crowned her crystal mirror holds, unite their streams. The birds their choir apply, airs, vernal airs, breathing the smell of field and grove, attune the trembling leaves, while universal pan, knit with the graces and the hours in dance, led on the eternal spring. Not that fair field of Enna, where proserpine gathering flowers, herself a fairer flower, by gloomy dis was gathered, which cost Ceres all that pain to seek her through the world, nor that sweet grove of Daphne by Orontes, and inspired Castalian spring, might with this paradise of Eden strive, nor that Nicaean isle girt with the river Triton, where old Cam, whom Gentiles Ammon call and Libyan Jove, hid Amalthea and her florid son young Bacchus, from his stepdame Rhea's eye, nor where Abassin kings their issue guard, Mount Amora, though this, by some supposed true paradise, under the Ethiop line by Nilus' head, enclosed with shining rock, a whole day's journey high, 
But wide remote from this Assyrian garden, Where the fiend saw undelighted all delight, All kind of living creatures new to sight and strange, Two of far nobler shape, erect and tall, Godlike erect, with native honour clad In naked majesty, seemed lords of all, And worthy seemed, for in their looks divine The image of the glorious maker shone, Truth, wisdom, sanctitude severe and pure, Severe but in true filial freedom placed, Whence true authority in men, Though both not equal, as their sex not equal seemed, For contemplation he and valour formed, For softness she and sweet attractive grace, He for God only, she for God in him. His fair large front and eye sublime Declared absolute rule, And hyacinthine locks, round from his parted forelock, Manly hung clustering, but not beneath his shoulders broad. She, as a veil, down to the slender waist, Her unadorned golden tresses wore dishevelled, But in wanton ringlets waved, As the vine curls her tendrils, Which implied subjection, But required with gentle sway, And by her yielded, by him best received, Yielded with coy submission, Modest pride, and sweet, reluctant, amorous delay. Nor those mysterious parts were then concealed. Then was not guilty shame, dishonest shame of nature's works. Honour dishonourable, sin-bred, How have ye troubled all mankind with shows instead, Mere shows of seeming pure, And banished from man's life his happiest life, Simplicity and spotless innocence. So passed they naked on, nor shunned the sight of God or angel, for they thought no ill. So hand in hand they passed, the loveliest pair that ever since in love's embraces met, Adam the goodliest man of men since born his sons, the fairest of her daughters, Eve. Under a tuft of shade that on a green stood whispering soft, by a fresh fountain side they sat them down. And after no more toil of their sweet gardening labour Than sufficed to recommend cool zephyr, And made ease more easy, Wholesome thirst and appetite more grateful, To their supper fruits they fell, Nectarine fruits which the compliant boughs yielded them, Sidelong as they sat recline on the soft downy bank, Damasked with flowers. The savoury pulp they chew, And in the rind, still as they thirsted, Scoop the brimming stream, nor gentle purpose, nor endearing smiles wanted, Nor youthful dalliance, as beseems fair couple, Linked in happy nuptial league, alone as they. About them frisking played all beasts of the earth since wild, And of all chase, in wood or wilderness, forest or den, Sporting the lion ramped, and in his paw dandled the kid. Bears, tigers, ounces, pards, gambled before them. The unwieldy elephant, to make the mirth, Used all his might, and wreathed his lithe proboscis. Close the serpent's sly, insinuating, Wove with gordian twine his braided train, And of his fatal guile gave proof unheeded. Others on the grass couched, and now filled with pasture, Gazing sat, 
for bedward ruminating, for the sun declined was hasting now with prone career to the ocean isles, and in the sending scale of heaven the stars that usher evening rose. When Satan, still in gaze as first he stood, scarce thus at length failed speech recovered sad. Oh, hell! What do mine eyes with grief behold? Into our room of bliss thus high advanced, Creatures of other mould, Earth-born, perhaps, not spirits, Yet to heavenly spirits bright little inferior, Whom my thoughts pursue with wonder and could love. So lively shines in them divine resemblance, and such grace the hand that formed them on their shape hath poured. Ah, gentle pair, ye little think how nigh your change approaches, when all these delights will vanish and deliver ye to woe. More woe, the more your taste is now of joy. Happy, but for so happy, ill-secured, long to continue. And this high seat, your heaven, ill-fenced for heaven to keep out such a foe as now is entered. Yet no purposed foe to you, whom I could pity thus forlorn, though I unpitied. League with you I seek, and mutual amity so straight, so close, that I with you must dwell, or you with me henceforth. My dwelling haply may not please like this fair paradise your sense. Yet such accept your maker's work. He gave it me, which I as freely give. Hell shall unfold to entertain you to her widest gates, and send forth all her kings. There will be room, not like these narrow limits, to receive your numerous offspring. If no better place, thank him who puts me loath to this revenge on you who wrong me not, for him who wronged. And should I at your harmless innocence melt as I do? Yet public reason, just honor and empire with revenge enlarged by conquering this new world, compels me now to do what else Though damned, I should abhor. 